Hello, and welcome back to The Project Space, a podcast featuring some of the remarkable artists who have participated in the Project Space residency here at the Visual Studies Workshop in Rochester, New York. I am Ernest Davis. I'm a photo-based artist and an assistant curator here at VSW. The Project Space residency has served regional, national, and international artists for many years, providing a studio space and access to VSW facilities. In this episode, I spoke with Eduardo Rivera. Eduardo came to the residency as a Rochester-based photo artist and was nearing the end of a two-year appointment as visiting faculty at the Rochester Institute of Technology. Eduardo grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and his photographs often feature his loved ones. We spoke about how the residency and particular aspects of Rochester's weather gave him much needed space and perspective to parse through nuances within his own images. During our conversation, we reference a number of photographs, which you can find on Eduardo's website. That link is in the show notes. Now, without further ado. Hi, I'm Eduardo Rivera. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I was a Project Space resident in March of 2023. And my work is essentially this, I guess I can call it a, a love letter to home. I've been photographing my family and community for about a decade um, close to the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about the personal and political histories that ripple through my childhood home. And my my practice, my photographs at least, tend to depict fragments of the quotidian and use visual traditions like portraiture, still life, and landscape to negotiate these poetics held in the everyday. And through this frequent return, you know, throughout the last 10 years, I've thought about ideas of time, belonging, and the significance of light as threads woven throughout the fabric of my work. Can you say that last part again, the significance of? Yeah, the significance of time, uh, belonging, ideas of time, belonging, and the significance of light as threads woven throughout the fabric of my work. Okay. All right. I'm just going to write that down because Mm -hmm. I kind of jogs my memory about a conversation that we had um, in your project space. So Mm -hmm. that's great. Okay, so before we get into that, can mm-hmm. you kind of talk about how did you come to even apply for yeah. the Project Space Residency? Yeah, so first moved to Rochester a couple years ago to teach at RIT, but the idea of Rochester has sort of lived with me for as long as, I mean, I guess the last 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. My undergrad professor, Mark Klett, he instructed us, uh, as well as a professor, um, William Jenkins talked uh, fondly about Rochester. William Jenkins was a curator of the New Topographics and I believe worked um, at the Eastman. But Mark Klett specifically um, went for his MFA here at um, VSW. Mm-hmm. So all of this, you know, sort of was just planted in my brain. And when I first moved here, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm in Rochester because, you know, I heard about it so much as an undergrad and being from Phoenix. I'm like, I don't know what Rochester is. Yeah. You know, it was just so removed. It's come on the completely opposite side of the country, you know, mm-hmm. in, in all aspects. So when I first moved here, you know, just wanted to be connected to a community and yeah, did the sort of like typical survey of, of like where I can find my, my space and heard a lot about VSW 
through grads and undergrads and faculty at RIT and, and knew about it, of course, already. But um, when I saw that the project-based residency was, the application was coming up, I'm like, I'd love to apply. You know, I, I didn't have a studio here in town, so I was using an additional room space to, to like make my work and print and sequence and edit and all those good things. But my work typically uh, lives at a large size. You know, I'm photographing with large format cameras and I want to make large prints because there's that sort of relationship you have when you like approach a photograph that's yeah. like this like human size, you know, or just a large size for you to like look at and observe and and sort of walk through the image. Like I love that experience. And so that's why shooting with large format, you know, is important to me. But more so printing those images and having those live in a space was like equally as important. So when I, yeah, when I was selected, I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> I was pumped. I was pumped because all of those, you know, I think it was about six. Well, this happened this year. So it, it yeah. had been like a solid year, year and a half where mm -hmm. I didn't have a studio. And so throughout that time I was, you know, making, I had made a bunch of photographs back in Arizona and I was just like scanning them and printing them and just keeping them like in my apartment. So when you finally get to a space where you can actually spread out, right? Um, what happened there where yeah. you're able to get into the project space? The ceilings are very high. Mm -hmm. There's quite a bit of wall space as well. Yeah. And um, since you hadn't been able to print or even see these images at a large scale, yeah. um, what did it mean for, for you and, and the work to mm -hmm. be able to look at a four by six, choose it, and then then see it at that, that, that at size. At that size, yeah. yeah. I think it was just a part of that like processing and trying to trying to just like understand the work some more. Mm -hmm. You know, I come from this like school of thought of trying not to impose too much on the photographs before I make them. Okay. I mean, I tend to have like a concept or an idea and maybe, you know, it's like a parameter of like, I'm going to make photographs in, I don't know, on my block or a family or these sort of overarching themes, mm -hmm. you know, those parameters help. But when I'm making the photographs, I try not to like let that filter in too much. I try to be guided by, I don't know, intuition. Um, since I'm working with like a larger camera, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that, that pre-planning that you think would go into it. But I often would use it in, in sort of similar to like a medium format. I mean, mm -hmm. not physically, but just like trying to work with intuition and just sort of this quick interaction with the space and you know guided by light and and sort of texture and with portraits like i'm often working with family but then also when i'm out photographing in the community mm -hmm. i'm sort of guided by like interaction you know this sort of air of the space so that was sort of like the process of like making the photographs mm -hmm. and when i would see them that's when i would go through this whole like process of trying to figure out like what they meant you mm -hmm. know or at least what they were doing, you know, like looking at the form of the photograph, you know, and I think form is also a big part of that because at a smaller size, I think they, they do something, you know, um, whether that's, if it's in an installation, for instance, cause I did have a variation of like large images, but then there were smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And then even like pictures on the table, like all spread out over the table, those four by sixes. So you had the sort of like back and forth relationship between like getting closer to the photograph like trying to look closer of if it's like a, a family album photograph that's been scanned and you see sort of all the withered texture of it or having to stand back from like this 40 by 50 um, photograph of like my mom. Yeah, I think the space just gave me the moments to to explore that relationship, you know, 
of, of getting closer um, physically and conceptually or backing up in both ways, you know? So yeah, that, that hasn't always been a part of the way that I typically worked because I mentioned like, I haven't had a studio um, on, you know, ever. And yeah. although I just would use spaces like that I would live in and like put things on the floor. I think that's why you saw so many prints on the floor. Cause I was just used to <laughs> throwing <laughs> things on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, there's something about when an image is, is on the floor like what does that do um to the picture what does that sort of speak to and versus like if something's high in the ceiling you know so i'm curious about how folks sort of come into a space and interact and even for myself because i think it then sort of plants a seed of how i can use like my practice in these like metaphorical ways um you know i try to find a balance between photographing in this like very um, politically sort of dense space, like mm-hmm. near the U.S.-Mexico border. There's so much like connotations attached to it, so much history in the land itself and right. like physically embedded in the dirt, you know. So that sort of idea has has been something that's been like really interesting to me. But then those sort of like politically driven ideas, very um, heavy, sometimes didactic and mm-hmm. You know, there's this whole tradi- tradition of like documentary photography that I really appreciate. You know, we talked about Latoya Ruby Frazier earlier, and mm-hmm. she was a huge like inspiration. Um, having not seen the work when I was making it, when I was like in my early early twenties, maybe like nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and but at the time, like across the country, she was working on something very similar. You know, so I don't know. It's just those moments of affirmation where I'm like, oh, people make work about family in this sort of documentary tradition, mm-hmm. but then. There's all this other room for metaphor, for possibility, for po- for poetry that can happen in that too. And I think that sort of mirrored in how I attempted to install the photographs in the studio, you know. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to think about because, you know, in thinking about borders, I, and I also uh, think about this in terms of how people think about culture or right. even society, that they're, I, I think your work does a lot of that um, enmeshment mm-hmm. in my head is the word liminal. Yeah. But I don't think that is an appropriate word to use for the work because I think liminal is, is still to either or. Yeah. And in talking about like metaphor sure. and and poetry, um, mm-hmm. I think the, the way that you title your works call attention to a lot of form, but also feeling yeah. and relationships and the images, yeah. especially when there are no human beings. Right. And in even thinking about the tradition of still life and documentary yeah. and even vernacular photography, mm-hmm. um, that there are these wonderful details that you're able to call attention to that is about this, like just observing. Yeah how you're how you just be and how you just are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so i think um even specifically coming from the border sure. is an you know it's an important thing to talk about sure. in the u.s in terms of this the, the this idea of that there are even borders um right. and what is what does a border even yeah. mean um so all that being said mm-hmm. i think about how you work with the relationship between your photographs mm. um so when whenever i came into your studio you would call attention to, oh, I think I'm going to move this image of my uncle over here because it just feels more appropriate over here. Or um, the image of my mom, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep this here, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I guess that's my question. Like, like, how do you determine sequencing on the wall? Yeah. And even 
placement. So we put something high up on the ceiling mm-hmm. or or leave something on the floor. I think that is important to think about in terms of what you're trying to accomplish with these photographs, what, right. you're, what you're showing in terms of the nuances of relationships to a place. Yeah. So um, to go back to this idea of of like liminal and sort of the in between, that idea has like been on my mind for for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to this residency in Maine, the Skowhegan School mm-hmm. of Painting and Sculpture, and such a formative moment, like for many reasons. But there, it was then where I kind of like used image and video and sound to kind of like do something together right Mm -hmm. creating a sort of a small installation in my studio that allowed me to think about these spaces of in between and i think that that notion of in between kind of functions on like it can be this like larger connotation of like how folks like live in space but then you know going back to this like metaphorical uh, poetic um understanding of like what can the in between sort of mean Mm -hmm. and without like any answers like i'm just like curious about that and i think books are a big part of how i think about that in between space you know because you can look at a spread and it can be um like a cluster of images like Mm -hmm. a collage and then you flip the page and it could be a single photograph a Mm -hmm. small image um but it's in those moments of like transition maybe Mm -hmm. that liminal moment um where i like feel there's some sort of like magic that's carrying me over. And I, when you're looking at an installation, I think sometimes we like take it all in, especially if it's like a bunch of large photographs, you'd like step back and you're like, wow, this is like a, a big piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm like thinking about sequencing on the wall, I mean, that's always like a tough way to like find myself because it's to find a, a rooting in that because it's like creating a puzzle, you know, you're like, I don't know what, it's trying to create a puzzle without understanding what the image is. Mm-hmm. And and so there's a lot of moments where things feel like they fit and you give it a day or an hour or even a second and you're like, no, that has to move. And so that, and that goes for books as well, you know? So um, I didn't get to make as many books as I wanted in, in the residency, but I actually did. I made a small mock-up. I don't know if okay. you got to see it, but it was, you know, the mock-up was just like folded uh, 11 by 17 sheets oh, of yes, paper yes, yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah. just like clustered together. Um, and those were family photographs that I had scanned and wanted to put it together and, and just sort of see how they functioned in this, in this form, because yeah. I was so used to looking at pictures of family, you know, like we all do family albums or whatever. Um, a lot of the pictures that I found from my family were like sometimes kept in like trunks of cars or Uh like I found some in the dirt in the backyard. I'm like, what is this doing out here? Uh And so the, the weather um, sort of interacted with, with that surface, you know, the heat and the, the, the summers in Arizona get crazy. Like there's the, there, they call, there's this thing called a haboob, which is weird, (laughs) but it's, that's what it's actually called. And it's this, this sort of um, wall of dust Uh that just like takes over the entire city. And there's rain attached to it, thunderstorms, like all these things. And that affects everything, like cars, houses, everything. And so something at that grand of a scale like is there, but then there's also just the act of like pictures like buried buried in dirt, which has, I don't know, it does something really special. Um, not special, I don't know, because there's this whole like archiving system that I think sometimes my family at least um, didn't follow. Like they're uh-huh. like, well, it's a picture, you know, great. And sometimes it would show up in the back of a car. But all of that said, that book were photographs that were rescanned from 
uh, family pictures that I'd found. Some were like in good condition and others were sort of withered and um, and weathered. And like they had this whole like new feeling to them. Like I had this picture of my uncle. Um, it was him in sort of this like formal attire. I think uh -huh. it was right after my mom's um, quinceanera, like uh -huh. her 15th birthday celebration. And he was dressed up and it was like this really beautiful uh, like photograph that was made of him, I think, by someone who came in um, to take pictures of the, uh -huh. the event. And he's like looking off to the side. It's sort of like yellowed, I think, just over time. And like his hair is like slipped back, like very, like just a very beautiful portrait. Yeah. And that one was like found out outside somehow. And the weather had like completely altered his eyes yeah. and his his head. And so it looked like it was just, I don't know, just created this whole new understanding of what the picture could be based off of that, the weather. So I took all these pictures and put them in, together in this like small book mm -hmm. um, that again was just like loose papers. But that gave me a moment to think about like flipping through and and having seen all these pictures in a cluster at one point and now slowly looking through them and then incorporating my own photographs that I've made. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this whole flattening of time and space that has been interesting to me, but I hadn't seen in this way. And so I went on um, after the residency to kind of try that, like making those photographs as large as I would uh 40 by 50 of my mom that i made with a four by five or something and i don't know there was a it, it just created this whole new interaction between images that i didn't make and images yeah. that i did make and but there are about the same person yeah i don't know there was a whole a lot of flattening and just created a new potential you know for for what the work can be and that's always an ongoing question it's like what is this work you know you know, I, it 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 calls to mind. Uh, there there is a a Dina Lawson photograph. It's it's a photograph of a photograph. Oh yeah. And um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this image, but um, it's a woman who's lying down in a bed. She's pregnant and her belly's showing. But um, in exhibition, there is a there's a hologram that's embedded into into the photograph. Um, but it, when it's blown up, you can also see that there's been some scribbling, mm -hmm. like some kid got to it or something and yeah. kind of like scratched through. Um, and so, you know, D and Dina Lawson also uses a large format camera. Yeah. Um, and this is a large format image of, of what we can assume is, you know, uh, like a, like a store-bought produced at, you know, a, a drugstore sure. image. Mm -hmm. So you talking about the wear and tear and sort of the the wearing away of the image sure. of your uncle uh -huh. and what that does to an image, it brought to mind that that photograph um, because there's something very, you know, and I'm going to use a word vernacular. Sure. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and when I say the word vernacular, just for our listeners, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just just broadly meaning an everyday photograph. Sure. But in in your example and also in, in Dina Lawson's example particularly a photograph that's meant for family, mm -hmm. that's meant for for intimate connections, perhaps for an album. Yeah. And there's I think there's something that happens when you photograph that with a four by five camera right. or a larger format camera in a way that um, not necessarily elevates it at all, but in thinking about um, the types of images that we tend to see that are made mm -hmm. with those cameras, mm -hmm. but also I think the intimacy of the process of of making that photograph. Yeah. And on top of that, um, relating that to landscape and time mm -hmm. and also um, the where is really, really beautiful and how it has 
essentially marred and scarred the image. Right. Um, but I see that as like a just a, a trace of use, a trace of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not saying that your example is exactly the example of that Dina Lawson image. Sure. But um, for instance, you know, thinking of the scribble, it makes me think about images that I've found as a kid, mm-hmm. not knowing how precious photographs are, yeah. taking a pen and just, you know, writing on it, or even thinking about perhaps um, a, a photograph that I've lost or, or a right. photograph that somehow ends up in your backyard sure. or ends up outside somehow. Yeah. But just kind of thinking about the environment, working on it, and what it means to kind of take that in into your medium of photography to, right. to deal with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are all really great points because my relationship to that picture that I made or that I didn't make, but I, that I found of my uncle did speak directly to, I guess surface is is a way to for me to access it because surface of of the photograph and surface of of even just like the surrounding environment, you mm-hmm. know. And using these these cameras that really give me give me this, this moment to like interact with surface and space and and like people and this like hyper very intentional slow way is is I don't know it, it felt like a way to kind of reconnect to, to things that I may not have ever like considered or thought about or um, yeah I, mean, I think that 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 way of like reconnecting to to a place through these like happenstance moments where where you know this this photograph was altered in this specific way or in another another way I think there's there there's moments of I don't know like possibility in that and it's that uh, that attention to to that detail that that I, I don't know I just find really exciting and that I sort of strive for when I'm like looking just to make a photograph like when I'm walking around and or if I have like a moment where like someone in my my family wants to be photographed and there's there's this like connection to 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 them where I'm just observing and I'm just looking at, at them and looking at the texture of the, of their blouse or their shirt or their pants or their, their eyes or something. Mm-hmm. For me as a maker, it allows me to to kind of remember in, in a lot of ways that are connected to photography and, and the way that we use images and, and, and think back and think about memory, but just to sort of this like one-to-one relationship. I don't know. Um, so then, okay, this is just a, an aside because I'm just curious. So you have family who actually want you to photograph them? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> there is there's been there was like runs of of times where it was sort of like I would show up and we're like, oh, we're making pictures. Like I because I, I always lived out east and mm-hmm. or not always, but 2014 is when I went to grad school um in Boston. And then every winter and summer I would just go back to Arizona. And that's when mm-hmm. I would make a bulk of the photographs. I stopped for a duration of time, but when I would come back, then they're like, oh. They call me Eddie back home, so they're like, oh, Eddie's here, you know, <laughs> going to take pictures or whatever. Uh, sometimes, of course, like some people don't want to be photographed, and mm-hmm. and so I don't photograph them. But um, I don't know. It's this sort of dance sometimes of like re-acknowledging like someone in my family or, or like yeah. someone who I've seen growing up over and over and just never really thought about, just never thought about photographing them. And then so returning was um, was really important. So yeah. I, I would sometimes just like make pictures for the community. I wanted to reintegrate and like remember this area that's adjacent to where my grandmother's home is where a lot of my pictures sort of take place Mm -hmm. and I took these flyers and I put them up around that area and said like I want to make pictures of like the community that I'm really connected to that I grew up around but that I was sort of like removed from because of going back and forth and I was like just making photographs for them for their own archive and 
in whatever style they wanted, you know, and it was great because it was just like I have this photograph of me and my my child or my my partner, mm-hmm. and then I would just like make some pictures. I would take those like digitally because it was like easier to um, send them, and so yeah, it, it was. Uh, people would be like into it, and which I was always like thankful for and excited about. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, you see a camera and you're like, oh, what are you doing? But it, it took time. It took time for sure because um, my first interests in photographing, like my mom, for instance, she wasn't like skeptical, but it's like I mentioned earlier, it's this dance. Like you're getting to like know someone through this um, object mm-hmm. and she just had some reservations about it. Mm-hmm. And then I would show her the images and we would just go back and forth. And I think that just grows. And I, that's the same for my you know, extended family and other folks that I photograph. Yeah. And I'll say when I ask that question, of course, you're not going to photograph anyone who doesn't want their photograph to be taken. But I kind of assumed that for you, it's like more on your end asking Mm -hmm. to take a photograph. But I really love that there is this expectation that you're going to (laughs) take. It's picture time. You're you're in town. (laughs) All right. Let's bring out the four by five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Send them prints. and Yeah. Okay, so going back to walking around, Mm -hmm. there was a piece that you were working on that um, was a series of photographs that you had actually taken on a prolonged walk down a main road in Arizona Mm -hmm. that was under heavy construction. And so can you describe that piece and and talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So I moved back to Phoenix um, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was living in Boston and I moved back to Phoenix um, summer of 2020 and I acknowledge that the this part of the city was shifting drastically, hmm. and my my family spoke fondly about this um, strip of road because back in the seventies and eighties, you know they were probably like in their mid twenties, early twenties. It was a a joyous strip of, of land. Um, a lot of car shows were were a part of it. Just people driving up and down, listening to music, like just enjoying the space. Yeah. And then I think around the 80s and 90s is when it shifted. There was a lot of like violence that that started to be connected to the space. And so and I think people were also growing up and they were so connected to all of the other folks in, in the community that, you know, everyone just were had families. And so it, just, it was just was a changing environment. But that always stuck with me. You know, the fact that they had this uh, formative moment based off of this sort of strip of road or, you know, just going down, to, it's called Central Avenue. Mm-hmm. And that strip of road just functioned in, in a lot of ways. It, it brought you from metropolitan downtown Phoenix into South Phoenix, which is, um, I grew up in sort of South Central Phoenix area, but South Phoenix, you can go even further and um, predominantly you know, black, brown, indigenous community sort of um, made space here. And that's been the case forever, as long as I can remember, you mm-hmm. know, um, growing up in the like late eighties, nineties. Um, when I, when I started photographing exclusively in this area, it's maybe about a five minute walk from my grandmother's home where I made a lot of photographs. That strip of road just was changing quickly. Hmm. And the city in many ways created this transit system that just sort of expanded in many different directions, North Phoenix, West, East, but they hadn't gone fully South. At least they haven't gone in this direction. Hmm. And I think this like construction um, project started probably, I don't know, I, I could think back maybe like 10 years, maybe like 2015 for sure. But more so in 2020 is when I, I saw like, well, this is really happening. And I just I had this like sense of urgency to want to photograph these buildings that I remember seeing growing up or 
yeah, just the idea of the, of the space before it completely transformed. And I think a lot of artists and a lot of people in general had the same relationship to to Central. So what I did was there's this sort of dividing line that sections out downtown Phoenix to what I sort of see as this like shift into South Phoenix. And you can tell by the way that the city's kind of cared for, mm. like there are certain areas that were just kind of like falling apart, but also had this like history attached to it. You're like, wow, that's that building's been there forever. Yeah. And so I started at this point, which I remember going under this bridge as a child from from in either direction because Central Avenue runs north to south. And in either direction, this bridge, it went underground and then, um, but it sort of dipped down and then you would come out on the other side. And it was always really dark in that tunnel, but it had like these really yellowish lights and sometimes things on the wall or like you can see people sort of walking by, but it was very quiet. Mm -hmm. So it felt like I was sort of entering into this other part of the town physically. And so I started at that point because I remember it being this like transformative moment. So I started there and I walked from that section all the way down to what's called Baseline. And Baseline is not necessarily the end of that South Phoenix area, but its name meant like, oh, this is the baseline. This is sort of like the end. And I think that's where the end of the transit system is going. So I walked from that tunnel and this was sort of a, a, a prolonged time of like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I would go out for about an hour to hour and a half and photograph at high noon because that was important to me to sort of feel, I wanted to feel the heat. And I would start at a point and I would look east and I would make images along the way. So I walked maybe a, a total of five miles from that tunnel to the baseline and I turned around and I did the same looking west. And so I did that all the way back to the tunnel. So just to get both sides of that view, it took about, yeah, two weeks and thousands of pictures mm -hmm. and functioned as a, a document of these buildings. But also for me, it was like important to see what it was because, I mean, there's so many stories of gentrification that happen often everywhere, unfortunately. And I know that's what's going to happen. This train system is going to go through the city and it's going to alter and hopefully for the best. But I know in many cases, it's not always the, the you know, the situation. <laughs> <laughs> but to go back to your question yeah, about yeah. the piece, I just wanted to lay that groundwork because the piece, I wanted to find a way to work that into this like experimental short, um, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it, like a sequence of images. It wasn't even a film, but it was sort of a stop motion of all of the images that I made. Mm -hmm. And they were on this um, small TV that I that I checked out here from the cage. So I checked out two of them and those showed each side of the of the walk. And I think this piece in particular was about two minutes long. And on both sides, you have just like the television sort of facing each other and but had sound attached to it. So it felt like you were walking. You could hear the sound of the environment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was an experiment. I mean, I, I think a lot of what photography does is really amazing. We talked about the liminal space and the moments between the magics that sort of happen when you look at a photograph at different distances or flipping through a page of a book. But sometimes I miss what sound and moving image can do. And And when I was here, I'm like, play around with this because I initially thought of it as like a book or something or, or mm -hmm. just something completely different, never a moving piece. So I'm actually interested in, in how you came to think of it more along the lines of something that was moving mm -hmm. rather than a book. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mentioned this um, photographing at high noon and feeling the heat. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of um, things that are attached to that for me that are important. Because, you know, I think back in sort of my lineage, like, I know my grandfather, for one, 
had to work out in the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, he worked with brick and worked in construction and, and did a lot of like labor work. And in many instances, like folks don't have the uh, privilege to not do that. You know, it's it's I've tried to find my position within it because I recognize that like working in education and like being an artist is a privilege already. And having not to not like work out in the sun is a privilege. Um, from just like seeing what my my grandfather and grandmother, like just my, my family had to sort of endure. But there was something about being out and, and enduring that, that I felt was important. It was both, it was physical. It was, um, it was sort of almost spiritual as well, because when you're out in the heat, people might call it heat stroke, <laughs> but it feels like you're, <laughs> you're hallucinating. And I don't know, it, it just sort of takes over your body in a different way. And it makes you very much aware of your body. You're like, I'm, I'm running low on fluids or like my, I'm sweating a lot or I'm physically exhausted, you know? Um, so I wanted to think about that in my work. Um, and so for me, without having, you know, without diving into the whole concepts of, of like sort of the political of like my, me being outside working labor, I, I was just like, I want to connect to that. I want to feel that. Which isn't distant from how I like normally would photograph, but mm-hmm. this was very intentional. It's like, it was like a system. I go out at noon. Mm-hmm. It was like maybe 105 to 110. It's like, it's hot. Photograph and then, and then call it, but then go back. And how can I translate that into the work itself was, and it was an experiment, which yeah. BSW like sort of embraces this sort of ethos <laughs> of the ex- sort of experimental to a degree, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm like, this, this is the place to try it, you know? Yeah. You know, because we've talked about that process before and um, I just kind of recall the plethora of possibilities that could sure. come from just that experience and mm-hmm. being very aware of the feeling and the embodiment of doing something like that. Sure. Like, it, And I've told you this before, it, it, it feels very much like a performance piece. Yeah. And some of my colleagues listening to this podcast will know that I'm, I'm not the book person mm. at BSW. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm <laughs> always great on not making something a sure. book. There's so many books that come out of BSW and it's, they're wonderful and oh, great, yeah. amazing, beautiful, excellent. But I, I also would be interested in, in how would you translate um, an experience like this into a book mm-hmm. um, that is something that's very possible, but also going to the um, beginning of our conversation yeah. where you talked about your work also talking to time, belonging, and the significance of light. Sure, yeah. Because um, I think even on top of the wanting to feel the heat, it is a very, I think, from a photographic ex- um, perspective, mm-hmm. uh, a pointed choice to photograph when the sun is h- the highest in the sky. Yeah when you're not just out there um, uh, intending to feel, but also to photograph. Mm-hmm. And I also am talking from my perspective as someone who grew up in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. You know, like, you know, there's not a lot of weather out there as well. It's not as hot as Arizona, right? right. but in thinking about the monotony of mm-hmm. the sun, it's something that seeps into the background. Um, yeah. And hearing you talk about light specifically in Arizona, not necessarily weather, but yeah. that all is wrapped up in, in and of itself. Um, I think all the time about how, you know, in LA, you don't really, well, it's growing up, um, it's it's different now, but growing up, you didn't really talk about the weather because yeah. it was the same was every the day. Same, yeah. But it wasn't until I moved out of California that I, that I realized just how much the light affected everything yeah. and how it affected how you see one another, mm-hmm. um, how you move through the world, sure. um, how you think about your day. I, I'm noting it that you're 
you're using it as something that's very uh, deliberate in your work. Yeah. So. And that was the same, like growing up in Arizona, it was just always hot and then it just wasn't for a little <laughs> bit and then it was like hot again. So <laughs> that, yeah, moving out East, that changed my whole relationship to how, yeah, how people like navigated the space, you know, and that happened in Arizona as well. Like, and this might've been the case in LA, but mm. like in the summers, like you didn't really see people walking around, like maybe not in general. No, like, no one walks really. Yeah. Phoenix in, is not in, like a walking no, city no, in LA. I'm so, yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you see somebody walking around, you're like, what's <laughs> it, going on? It, you stop the car <laughs> like, and you, you okay? roll down your window. You're like, are you okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> do you need, do you need something? <laughs> yeah. 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 You're like looking for a car. You're like, how, how can I help? Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's less so now, you know, transit systems are happening yeah. and just as it's happening in Arizona, it sounds yeah. like in Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, it's happening in LA too. And uh-huh. it, it does affect the city. It affects the landscape. It is this kind of give and take. And, sure. and I can only think about the, what it takes away and the memories. And especially yeah. if you've been in a place for so long, yeah. um, what that does to how you relate to it. Sure. And especially since your work is so much about place. Yeah. This is my next question. Yeah. You've been in Rochester mm-hmm. for two years. You know, I just kind of have been wondering what that has done to even your perspective on your work. Sure. So considering how your work is very focused on, on your home, your family, your connection with that and right. your historical I would call it personal landscape in Arizona. Sure. How has being in Rochester yeah. affected your approach to your your work? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's such a great segue because we have been talking about light and we have been talking about heat and those notions are very, <laughs> <laughs> very distant here because yeah. I mean. Can you say why? Just in case people I mean, don't know. <laughs> just, just move here from December to March. Yeah, yeah. And especially January, like try to look for the sun. You will not find it. <laughs> I've heard the snow has been kind of light in the past couple I, of years. I heard that too. And I don't know what that's I like because from LA, it all yeah. seems bad. Yeah, yeah. It's all a lot of snow. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> there are days where I'm like, fine, you know, it's snowy, but it really, it, it affects you, you know, and to go back to that idea, um, I, I've thought about how I can kind of like frame my work. And that's such a vast thing to do. And I think sometimes there's ways of doing it for the maker, but also an audience to kind of understand. But other times, you know, where if the work is about looking and trying to find these sort of like poetic, nuanced, metaphorical, like understandings of your mother's drawer or something. Mm-hmm. How does that sort of fit into this like larger context of, of, of art and photography and whatever that means? So when I was in Rochester and, and even in living in, in Massachusetts for a lot, uh, for, for about six years, I, I knew that that was a component, but um, I did realize that there was this guiding factor of light that I was using both in the pictures themselves, but also going back to like sequencing and editing. I was like, what would it feel like if I was moved by light through a sequence, you know? And I guess Rochester the the fact that, that there were there wasn't much light during these moments like in those months specifically um november through march or just all throughout but especially when it was darker here i'm like i was finding that in my work yeah and i started to embrace that even more so because again this this like structure of how to understand the work can sometimes go into areas that are equally as important very urgent you know but that aren't always politically driven mm-hmm. light itself I feel sometimes gets um, passed up on because it is very much photographic. You're looking at light, you're capturing light, 
but that concept, there's so much potential in that. I think that's what Rochester did, you know, along with teaching and working with some like amazing students and like mm-hmm. I think always just, you know, thinking about the dedication to trying to figure out something larger than yourself through photography. And then looking at my work and seeing all of these ways that I saw light in that place um, that means so much mm-hmm. and that has done so much um, to the environment, to our bodies. Yeah. I, with all that said, I started to embrace that and how can that show up in the work? That's interesting to hear. And because yeah. I'm I actually had a, a question that I didn't ask, but I'll ask it now mm-hmm. because you talking about Rochester and how it's affected how you view these or even opening up to being led by light. Yeah. I remember in distinctly looking at those collection of images that you took mm-hmm. on Central and feeling at a, at a place because I know that you're from Phoenix, yeah. but it looked like LA to me. Oh yeah. And looking at those, I was like, oh, and it also was very different mm-hmm. in terms of how your other photographs are lit as well. Right. They're black and white, but mm-hmm. that's not the only um, distinction. It was this very familiar childhood mm-hmm. memory that mm-hmm. came up that also kind of put me out of place because I was like, this isn't, this looks like Western Ave or this looks like Century. But but to think about how um, it was that high newness of it that mm-hmm. set it apart. So to see that in your studio mm-hmm. alongside these other images that are a bit, softer yeah. and in color in color yeah. and there are softer shadows mm-hmm. was stark in that way sure. where it made it less you know not that it made it less personal to you it, it was personal but this kind of regional look at this area that yeah. was such a strange sensation For but sure. also yeah. warm in, in how it looked like home in a way yeah i've had that come up a lot like hmm. when i've showed pictures of family hmm. from like folks all throughout the country you know saying, wow, I feel so connected to this because it reminds me of my grandmother's home or my home or something. And so I think there's that that um, that common denominator between, well, just the landscape and like how we've lived amongst it. But I think I feel like every pocket of the country has its own like underlying history to it. But yeah, then yeah. again, this common denominator is is maybe the architecture or just like the way that people live. The, the photographs, that I, the buildings that I made at, le- at least feel they do have character to them, but they also feel like they were kind of constructed from a mold, mm-hmm. you know, and the mold was like building, sign, next, you know, yeah. building, sign, next. And then I think there was a lot of artists that kind of like explored that, you know, going back to the new topographic. So that was that whole concept um, and understanding of that changing environment. I feel it continues. And I think that was sort of like a, an interest of mine as well my sort of influences into photography was like being introduced to that and mm-hmm. into how like people were looking at their space. And so, yeah, the, this walking piece was, was, um, <clears throat> was an attempt to, again, just reconnect to a place to, to collect and to, um, I don't know if collect is the best word, but it's more so just to like reconnect and to like reimagine, you know, um, I don't know what it's going to, I don't know what it looks like now. I haven't yeah. been back in about yeah since january and um which where i like i made photographs there that weren't so like uh like systematic Mm -hmm. but still showed certain degree of of, like the area um yeah so it's it's changing but i'm i'm glad just as 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 sort of a an act i'm glad that i was able to do it because it, it did bring up a lot of like why that why this this place was was important to me 
and along with all of these other connotations that I spoke about regarding family and mm -hmm. labor. Um, yeah, all these things are important. So, yeah. so um, you, you just recently returned from a residency mm -hmm. in Philly yeah. um, at Tilt Institute for the Contemporary Image mm -hmm. in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is very interesting because it's so recent and um, not that you've done like these back-to-back -back residencies, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's another city that you've never been to yeah. before. Is that correct? Yeah. First time. Yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about that experience yeah. and anything that was particularly distinct? And again, thinking about place, is, yeah. was there anything about Philly? Yeah. The Tilt Institute for the Contemporary Image, really great uh, residency. Um, yeah. They, they supported me in, in, in many ways and, um, they had a space that I can work in. Um, but in thinking about the comparison, uh, well, I guess not to compare, but more so just thinking about how I was treating the works between the, the two spaces. Um, as I mentioned, VSW was very much intense, like looking, relooking, and I was just like driven in diff different ways as I was making the pictures and then allowing the pictures to, to guide me after the fact. So having a studio space to do that here was really amazing. And then when I was at Till, it felt like the, the way that it was structured when I was there felt um, very much like production, the production side of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently working on an exhibition. And so my time there was um, very much production. Okay. I was like spending hours and hours at a computer just editing because all this work is shot on film. And yeah. since I like I'm constantly remaking and, and, and like processing later on there was pictures that I hadn't seen. Like I went through my archive, like back in, yeah, just a span of 10 to 12 years. Mm -hmm. And there was photographs that I forgot I had. And so mm -hmm. like I used time before um, tilt to like scan and just like get those ready. But when I was there, I was really thinking about this upcoming exhibition and um, just like sitting at, again, sitting at a computer and processing them. It's not the fun part of this whole like yeah. journey. <laughs> At least it can be, but it was sucked right out <laughs> as soon as as soon as I was there for five hours or more. But this became, yeah, for the duration of about a month, I was um, editing and mm -hmm. spotting, unfortunately. So if you work with film, you know this yeah. whole process. And it's important to me because it could be used in a way. And I'm sure these sort of like conceptual manners of like just the image as is or mm -hmm. whatever, however you can interpret that. But or even like those photographs that were altered by the the landscape like those yeah. I didn't want to correct and I didn't want to fix but I do appreciate a, a beautifully scanned and printed photograph and like looking at it and just sort of being lost in it so a lot of my time there was was just working on that and but yeah the city itself since it was new um I don't know if I got a chance to explore it as much as I wanted you know yeah it was a month and month yeah the month flew by so that's good to hear because that is another very useful way of using a residency yeah. because doing that kind of work, you know, uh, spotting and dusting all and color all, correcting and yeah, getting re something ready for production. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot of work yeah. and especially for, for you, you know, you're, you're teaching during the other parts of the year. Yeah. So it's really nice that you get some dedicated weeks to doing something that is for sure very time consuming mm -hmm. and very important nonstop. <laughs> so um all right so yeah. and then so my last question is what's next so yeah it's sort of been i guess under wraps for a while but i'm really excited to to share that i'll be 
showing this work and iteration of this work at Lightwork in Syracuse. Yeah. And Lightwork, amazing organization, of course. Um, And that's what a lot of that production was going towards. And there's an accompanying uh, contact sheet with that. So contact sheet is essentially a catalog of the exhibitions. Um, But I was working with Dan Boardman, who's a director at Lightwork. And also a a crossover residency, Dan Boardman, also on the podcast. So yeah, yeah. Sub Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Dan and I were working on the, uh, the publication side, as well as the exhibition. I was also working with Whitney Hubs. We were thinking about what the the work can can be which i which which was always the case for me um you know working from these like poetic metaphorical like veins um but also being inspired by like um like murakami or like short story of like the everyday but there's something surreal surreal and weird kind of happening in the underbelly of like a a town like a just a very like plain town and Mm -hmm. wherever and you know, Murakami was one that, that came up, but there's also um, some other uh, writers that I that I really respect. Um, there's this book called um, Pedro pa- Paramo. Hmm. Um, Juan Rufo wrote this book back in the 50s. And Pedro pa- Paramo is essentially, without getting into it too much, um, it's a, a, a book that has a foreword by Susan Sontag, who wrote on photography, which I th- initially I was like, wow, this is this feels very photographic before getting into it, but mm-hmm. it just sort of embraced the sort of surreal and sort of the spiritual of a place while also thinking about like, it starts off with a, a mother on her, on her deathbed telling her son to go search out his father hmm. who he never met or he got to know. Hmm. And that like resonates with that like idea that just resonated so much. And there's moments where he kind of goes into these sort of ghostly and spiritual realms. And so I brought that up with, with Dan as we were working on, on the contact sheet. And I, I don't know, I'm excited about what it came to because huh. it was like, how can we use the pictures in, in this way? And well, also like, yeah, looking at the land and, and like paying attention to all these like very important things, you know, of the land and of the people. So, so yeah, I'm excited. That's kind of like what's next on the, on the, on the, on the agenda, I don't know. <laughs> That's what's next, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that sounds really fascinating. Not necessarily like a horror aspect, but it makes me think about the photograph of your mom holding on to the light post. Oh yeah. Before I met you, yeah. I didn't know that was your your mother. Um, uh, and knowing that it was your mom, um, kind of thinking about how strange that image is, and yeah. I also love the title of it, which is. Earth. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something very off about that photograph, but also very intimate and warm. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, it, it's not something that you'll see every day, like driving down the street, sure. some person hugging a light post sure. or um, it's a light post. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Light post or um, telephone pole. Yeah. Telephone yeah, pole, yeah, yeah. you know, like those kinds of gestures with yeah. the land in a mm-hmm. way um, that I think are off in this wonderful Mm -hmm. fantastic kind of way Mm -hmm. so i think it's really interesting because i think if you kind of take away a lot of the context from the work then there is a lot of rich narrative that you can put in into those those images yeah like there's one of i don't know who this person is but they're dragging oh yeah something and there's like cats right underneath oh yeah they're like looking at you yeah they're just like these very narrative filled potential there yeah. going on. So that's interesting. And I love that. I love that that part of photographs, films, just moments where it kind of not necessarily the spectacle, but it just kind of takes you outside of yourself for a moment. It's just can be so heavy sometimes. 
yeah, that picture in particular with the pole, it, it sort of started off as this like playful moment. Um, my mom and I just walking around photographing or just walking. We tend to like just walk around together and she like interacts with the space sometimes. And mm. so in this moment, she was like kind of not twirling around the pole, but just kind of like just moving around it and holding it. And at that moment, um, the sun was setting in the West. And so my shadow was projected onto the pole and mm -hmm. in that moment you know photographed her as she like looked back and the wind was blowing and mm -hmm. it's no longer there like mm -hmm. there's something built over it now maybe that go, going back to that like liminal understanding of like what things can be mm -hmm. and where we can sort of find meaning in sort of these in-between spaces you know whatever however iteration it is mm -hmm. and i think that's just what's been driving me it's just how do i contribute to this sort of ongoing dialogue of the American Southwest now that has this rich history and um, so much connected to it, but also can be about a son and his mom or his, his siblings and his family um, enjoying the everyday, but then moments of of possibility and mystery and, and, and love and care all sort of wrapped up into a photograph, you know, yeah. with light being its central driving force. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that sounds cool. Eduardo, um, thank you so much. It's been awesome, um, and it was so wonderful having you here as a resident. Thank you. So, yeah. A lot of a lot of fun. Really amazing place. VSW has like, as I mentioned, has like a very special part um, of my just like my photographic history. But now, just like being here and interacting with everybody, it's been really special. So I feel super honored. And there you have it, Eduardo's exhibition at Lightwork in Syracuse, New York is on view until December 15th, 2023. His work is also featured at the Silver Eye Center's biennial exhibition, Radial Survey. That exhibition is on view until February 2024. For more information about both, please click on those links in our show notes. To learn more about the Visual Studies Workshop, please visit us at vsw.org where we have information about the Project Space Residency and our current artists in residence. Keep following us on Twitch and Instagram at the Visual Studies Workshop, and feel free to send me an email at ernestdavis at vsw.org. This podcast is funded in part by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of New York State Legislature and the Leonian Foundation. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with the artist Eduardo Rivera. In the meantime, Take care. Bye.